Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 6. We're reading verses 19 through 24. Again, that's Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Gideon. Well, I know it's Mother's Day, and this is probably like, I've never heard a passage like this studied on Mother's Day. Um, well, in, in our church, we, you know, we're just, we preach through the Bible, and this is where we're at in the text. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount, and so we're just continuing our series in the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus directed his disciples and directs us to direct our hearts towards his kingdom. But since it is Mother's Day, I, I just remember, you know, my mom would read stories to me, and I used to love that. So I just thought I would start out with a story that, uh, that talks about, um, uh, kind of a funny way to talk about the fact that uh, we can't take our stuff with us when we go. An old miser called his doctor his lawyer, and his pastor to his deathbed. They say you can't take your money with you, the dying man said, but I'm going to try. I have three envelopes with $30,000 in cash in each one. I want each of you to take an envelope and as they lower my casket, throw the envelopes in. The old miser died, and the doctor, the lawyer, and the pastor were present at his burial. And as, as was asked, each man tossed in his envelope as the man had requested. But on the way home, the pastor confessed, I needed the money for the church, so I took out 10000 and threw only 20000 into the grave. Then, quickly, the doctor said, I too must confess, I am building a clinic to help people. I took 20,000 and threw only 10,000 into the grave. And then the lawyer self-righteously said, gentlemen, I am ashamed of you. I threw in a personal check for the full amount. <laughs> a funny story that just highlights the reality we can't take our stuff with us. 
And Jesus is teaching his disciples and he invites us to consider this morning how we think about treasure. And and in light of this weighty matter, uh, we need God's help. So would you bow with me and pray? Father, we need you. We need you to direct our gaze because we can so easily be distracted by the stuff of this earth. So I ask God that you would open our eyes to the truth in your word and that you would not only speak to us this morning, but that you would speak to us in the weeks and months to come as we seek to direct our hearts towards your kingdom. And I also pray, God, for those who are here this morning or those listening online who come to this particular day not with joy but with sadness. I want to pray for those this morning who may have a strained relationship with their mom or maybe their mom's gone. I want to pray, Lord, for those this morning who have, have lost children or for those who have strained relationships with their children. Lord, would, would they be aware of your nearness and that Jesus is going to bear those burdens with them? So I pray, God, for comfort for those uh, who are in those categories, and I pray, Lord, for all of us, Lord, that we would, we would direct our gaze towards the King of Kings this morning. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, I want to consider just two questions this morning as we come to this text. And I want to encourage you to consider these questions not just today. Uh, The questions are this, where is my treasure stored and what master do I serve? Where's my treasure stored? What master do I serve? Take those two questions, take this text, and take it to prayer. Because we can't exhaust this topic this morning. We just can't. But I believe the Lord wants us, has things to say to each of us, and we need to yield to his will and direct our hearts towards his kingdom. So this is really just the springboard to get started when, when engaging with these truths. And as we go to answer these questions, I think it's helpful for us to just note there are some pitfalls, you know, some ditches that Christians can get into when they jump into a text like this, which talks about money and possessions. One of the the ditches that, that Christians can get into is they can make it all about rules and regulations, which is like the opposite of what Jesus was trying to do. Remember uh, in the last chapter when we were in chapter 5, Jesus said in verse 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The the, the Pharisees' righteousness was all about outward acts. And so we... We can, we can read this text, and then we can start to go, well, what is it that I need to do? We can make it about, well, I need to give X amount of dollars. If I give X amount of dollars, well, then God will approve of me. Or if I only buy a certain size house, or maybe, maybe I'm just going to give as much as I can away and live a, a minimalist lifestyle because that's, that's clearly a more godly thing to do, and I'll earn God's favor in that way. Or maybe just like all stuff is like, I just need to get rid of all stuff, and I need to go be a monk in a monastery somewhere. It's not about rules. 
That's not what Jesus is getting at. He's wanting us to direct our hearts. Consider our hearts. This passage is less about what we have and more about the condition of our hearts. This passage is less about the possessions that we have and more about us considering what is our prize. What really is our prize? So it's, it's even much bigger than possessions. This teaching isn't just for the rich people. But obviously I'm addressing you and in the land that we live compared to the rest of the world, this is a group of rich people that's here. This, this text is not here for us to guilt people into doing something. We're not taking up a special offering at the end of the service. There's times where we do that, but we, we want to direct our hearts towards his kingdom. Because each of us, when we go to give, we should do it as we've decided in our own heart, not under compulsion, but willingly. We need to be cheerful givers. This is not a text we should just consider on one day and say we're done. Yeah, you know, I got saved back in 1976, and I came across this passage in 1977, and, and I'm just, you know, I'm good. I, I, I dealt with that issue. No, there's, there's a drift that can happen with our hearts. We need to re-engage with this truth. But, but I think even in the midst of all those, those things that can happen as we come to a text like this, the biggest thing I think that we can miss is the one who is teaching it. And we can miss the wonder of the day when we are going to see Jesus face to face in heaven. Our, the goal is to direct our gaze towards Christ and his kingdom as we study this text. So he's the one who's speaking it. May our hearts be directed to him. But let's jump into these couple of questions that we want to answer. So the first one is this. Where do I store my treasure? Look back at the text. Verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As, as Jesus talks about treasure, it's a very large sum. It certainly includes money, but it's not just limited to money. He's talking about everything that we treasure, relationships that we may have. Family relationship, marriage relationships, other relationships that can become the thing that we're most passionate about. Certainly, it includes possessions, houses, cars. But it doesn't just include possessions that have monetary value, right? There's some things that we possess that don't really have much monetary value, but yet they are treasure to us. So that's what Jesus is talking about. And he's describing two locations. There's two places where we can keep treasure. Two places, earth and heaven. Those are the two places. Apart from any, you know, grandiose, you know, movie you've seen with CGI where there's some kind of vault hidden somewhere in the depths of the earth that keeps things safe, okay? Those are movies. You can either keep it on earth or you can keep it in heaven. And what happens, and Jesus is just opening the reality of what happens to our stuff when we keep it in those two places. He says, if we keep it on earth, that's the place where moth and rust destroy. Things decay, kind of things spoil. There's kind of in the original language, this kind of 
sense of like how things spoil when worms get into it. No matter how vast the sums of grain were in in New Testament times, because often having food and, and lots of food was a sign of wealth. But having all that grain, that, that didn't guarantee that the food wouldn't go rancid or spoil. And we can be distracted because we have modern ways of, of preserving things, and so we kind of just kind of say that everything's good. But, but let's be real. You've got that thing in the back of your fridge that you have no idea what it is anymore, right? As funny as that is, Stuff does not last. We have plenty of things that our eyes see. Stuff does not last. We know that even, even the dollar that we use, it has so much more value today than it did six months ago, right? But we have things all around us. So this should resonate with us, what Jesus is saying. The investment, if you, if you do it here, it, it just doesn't last. But then he says, well, look, look to heaven. If you put the investment there, what happens there? Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. The the stuff we invest there isn't exposed to the elements. I mean, you can preserve like a document. You go to the National Archives, they preserve documents. They go to great lengths to preserve documents, you know, right humidity, right temperature, right light. And they go to all that just to preserve like one piece of paper and it's futile. But in heaven, nothing's exposed to the elements. Stuff doesn't rot. And no one can break in and steal it. In the first century, they would have been very familiar with this reality because if you had gold, if you had silver, it wasn't safe anywhere. It wasn't safe on your person because you could get beat up on the road and people could take it. Oftentimes, people would literally dig a hole in the yard and bury it because that was the safe thing. So oftentimes, when people are robbed, sometimes they would store it in the wall of their house. It's just not safe on earth. But in heaven, it's safe. Why? Because God is in charge of heaven. When I read about the kingdom that Christ is going to reign in, it's, it's a kingdom of peace. People won't break the law in heaven. Everything is absolutely, completely safe. Like if you were to get a gold bar, you could set it in the middle of your yard and walk away. That's how safe it is in heaven. So obvious. You don't have to go to investing school to know, well, which is the better investment? Now, that said, Jesus isn't saying you should never save money, never have a financial plan. doesn't say you should never own property. Certainly, the early church met from house to house, so someone had to own a house for them to meet in. The, the Proverbs talk about saving, you know, look at the ant and follow his way, saving for, you know, when, when times are going to be lean. So there, it's not that we don't utilize it, but, but the resources in this world are tools. Jesus is warning us about finding our complete satisfaction in stuff. That's the warning. Jesus is warning us about greed, love of money, and the selfish accumulation of stuff. I mean, here's the reality. If if anything in this world is everything to you, that may be a sign that your treasure 
is in a place where wrath and, must and rust destroy. First Timothy, Paul says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. The goal is to avoid anything that centers our focus on this world. So we want to ask ourselves the question, how do I enjoy what God has given without living for it or loving it more than loving God? I'm just going to ask that question again. How do I enjoy what God has given without living for it or loving it more than loving God? Well, first, I think it's helpful to understand, well, how do I know where my... How do I know where my treasure is? What are some questions I can ask that may, can help me to understand? Because I'm not really sure. Well, here's a couple questions you could ask. What do I fret most about? And if you're like, I don't fret about anything, well, ask, ask somebody close to you. Ask your siblings. Ask your mom. <laughs> ask your spouse. What do you fret most about? doesn't necessarily mean that's the thing that you're worshiping, but it, it can be a good question to help understand where our hearts are at. Is there anything that you own, if stolen, you would be devastated? Is there anything? What, what do you measure other people by? That might show you what you value. Do you value them because of what they wear? The the makeup they put on or don't put on, the clothes that they wear, the, the things that they drive, the education that they have, their athletic ability, that might show you where your heart's directed. Or, or here, here's a hard one. What have I been willing to accumulate debt for? What have I been willing to accumulate debt for? The Bible doesn't say it's sin to have debt. There's, there's, there's warnings against having too much debt, and we're not going to go into that subject in full detail. Again, we can't cover everything. But we have to ask ourselves, what, what, what value does that have for me? Now, again, I'm not trying to create a, a, a context where we just all feel like this big when we walk out the door. But Jesus is saying some sobering words, and so we should be sobered by what he says and, and consider what he has to say. And we want to consider, well, how do I lay up treasures in heaven? If I'm evaluating where my treasure is, and if it's not, how do I put treasure in heaven? What does that look like? Well, here's just a, a few things. Invest in God's causes and God's people. That's how you can put treasures in heaven. So Investing in your local church, investing in the mission, you know, missionaries that are going other places, investing in places where folks have need, maybe in our community, maybe in other communities, those that have less, those that are hurting, and not just our physical resources, but our time and our talents. Those are ways we can invest in, in eternity, giving generously. The Old Testament and the New Testament are filled with a host of 
verses, a few of which are Proverbs. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Proverbs 22.9 or uh, 2 Corinthians 9. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Some pastors would would use the phrase that I've heard, give until it hurts. And there's different ways to do that. And I've read different quotes from pastors long gone to be with Jesus and we should give till it hurts. Well, you know, I, I can't find a Bible verse that says give till it hurts. But it is a pretty good litmus test to challenge me. You know, am I just hoarding my stuff and only giving when it's convenient, giving the little extra, or am I really committed to investing in this place where, where it's going to pay dividends and it's, it's never going to lose its value? I think that's a good question to ask. You know, there, if there's a tension there, it helps us to, to know, uh, you know, where, where our investment is. Even C.S. Lewis says, if our, if our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. So there are sacrifices the Lord calls us to make. But ultimately, if we're looking at his kingdom, we're just, we kind of don't see them as sacrifices. The world might see them as sacrifices. We're making an investment. We're going to spend purposefully, not impulsively, because commerce isn't sinful. God created that. We're supposed to buy and sell and, and be industrious. We kind of reflect his character when we, we do various things. We should work hard. We should be fruitful. But what are we doing with that fruitfulness? Where are we prioritizing? What's the first check that we write when we get our paycheck. And I've mentioned you don't, you know, money, but we, we can serve. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be lots of financial resources because this is true no matter what your socioeconomic status is. Whether you have much in the bank or little in the bank or you've never heard of a bank, you can. This is true. Because it's, it's not about the amount of money that you have. It's about the inclination of your heart. Because there is a reality. Even those who have less can be uber-focused on this world. Whether it's individuals I've interacted with in Liberia where they don't have any means, they can be super-focused on this world. Some think, well, you know, if I could only shed this much then everything would be fine. No, if it's a heart condition, I guarantee you can shed whatever you want to shed. Uh, your heart goes with you where you go. And Jesus wants your heart. That's, that's the issue. Because we are stewards and pilgrims. We're just passing through this life. And when we understand that, it changes everything. It changes everything. 
One author said, but the Christian starts by saying, I am not the possessor of these things. I merely have them on lease, and they do not really belong to me. I cannot take my wealth with me. I cannot take my gifts with me. I am but a custodian of these things, and at once the great question that arises is, how can I use these things to the glory of God? It is God I have to meet. It is God I have to face. It is him that I shall have to render up an account for my stewardship of all all these things with which he has blessed me. Therefore, the Christian says to himself, I must be careful how I use these things and of my attitude towards them. The stuff we have are tools. And let me be clear. We, We aren't giving to get acceptance from God. Because of what Jesus has done, we have full and complete acceptance from God, and we are in his family if we have trusted in Christ. We don't give to earn favor. We give because we understand the the wealth that has come from knowing Christ. But I think it's good for us to ask the question, where, where do we store our treasure? Where do we store our treasure? And the second question is this, what master do I serve? And it looks like when Jesus goes to verse 22 and 23, like where, where does he get this I thing? Like we're, we're talking about treasure. He turns, he makes a right turn, and then he comes back. What, what is this all about when he says the eye is the lamp of the body so that if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What is Jesus getting at? The the In the original, the the term I there, it's it's getting at your inner being. Like when we talk about your heart, not not the heart that's pumping the blood through your body, but the inner person that you are, that kind of has the direction and the course of of what you're going to do in life. That's what Jesus is speaking to. And he's saying, if if that's healthy, which which in the original means is, is that generous, having the flavor of giving without expecting anything in return, when you do that, when you're, when you're healthy, you're full of light. Your ambition is to serve God. So when your heart's directed in the right place, your ambition is to serve God. But on the flip side, bad, what that means is actually ungenerous or jealous or envious. So if your eye is in that place, if your heart is in that inclination, you are, are going to create this, this downward spiral. Because Jesus says, how great is the darkness that, that creates a pride or self-indulgence, which, which creates the place of just a lack of charity in your life. And you start to just kind of run towards that other stuff. Because even Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 5, whoever loves money never has enough money. Jesus is just saying, it, just have your heart directed rightly. He is not saying, try harder. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, examine yourself. Examine yourself. What are you gazing at? What are you gazing at? Because if you look to the right, even if it's in this room, if, if you look to others horizontally, Inevitably, it's going to breed discontentment or jealousy or self-righteousness. 
But when we look to Christ, when we look at what Christ has done, when we understand the chasm that existed between us and God that we could not cross apart from Christ going to the cross, when we understand that when he went to the cross, there was a great exchange that took place, we got the benefits and the blessings of his perfect life, and he got all the wrath that we deserved that is the fruit of our imperfect life. When that is before us, We are aware that God was generous. And when we hear God gave his only son, it means so much more how much God was generous towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we see that, it will bear the fruit of us caring about the good of others rather than our own goods. It will bear that fruit as we look to Christ. And sometimes we need to put ourselves in places that help redirect our gaze. Sometimes it serves to go on a short-term missions trip to go and see how it's different in other places. Now, I know when I went on my first two missions trips, I went to Mexico and I went to Kazakhstan when I was in college thought I was going to be the next Billy Graham. We're going to go. We're going to share the gospel. I'm going to do some amazing things for God. And God broke me because I realized that my treasure was in the wrong place. I realized my investment was in the wrong place. And I met individuals whose investment as an attorney, I met individuals who didn't have access to the gospel, and I realized how much access I had to truth. So in those situations, and, and oftentimes short-term mission trips have that fruit. Though, yes, we want to do, and we do partner with organizations where we can go and we can share Christ, and when people get saved, they're connected to a local church where someone is pastoring them, discipling them, getting them connected, making disciples with them ongoing. We want, we want to do that, but yet when we go, God does a work in us that changes the trajectory of our life. It changed, it's changed the directory, the trajectory of my life and how I think about resources and investment. I can, we need to consider that because in our world, in, in the West, we don't, we don't have regular suffering that just crushes us down, that makes us ask the question, is this all there is? Because when it's hard, we do ask that question, is this all there is? And the answer is, no, this is not all there is. There's a place where you can invest. What has your gaze? Because the one that has our gaze will determine the one that we will serve. Because Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And really, the the original term when it says money there, it includes money and possessions. You may have heard the word mammon, which, which covers both, money and possessions. We can't serve both. And we breathe the air of, me first. I, I am the master of my fate. Poet William Ernest Hensley wrote, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. The way 
We breathe that air all the time. But we're not. If we've trusted in Jesus, we have submitted ourselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And in the first century, the saints would have known if you were a bondservant, if you committed to serving a master because you owed a debt or because you didn't have resources to feed your family, you you had to serve that master. There was provision from serving that master, but when that master said you needed to do something, you did what that master said. And we are bondservants to Christ We aren't bondservants to Christ to pay off a debt. Jesus paid the debt. I want to be clear about that. I want to reiterate that. The debt is paid. But yet we are saying, I will follow you and and you can have my life. Jesus taught us to pray. Let your will be done. Then Jesus was the example for us who said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. So this is bigger than money and possessions. This is about everything because we can't serve two masters. Here's a reality. Riches that you have, they're a good servant. They're good. We can use them to do things for God's glory. But the riches are a terrible master because money and possessions always disappoint its worshipers. Because those who are devoted to money and possessions one day say, ah, I've got all, I've got it all. Oh, but it's not enough. But it's not enough. And Jesus says in Matthew 10, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. God wants all of us. Have you yielded yourself to Christ? If you've never yielded yourself to Christ, if you are aware now as we're walking through this text that you're living for something other than the Lord Jesus Christ and you're bringing conviction, you you simply need to do this. You need to pray and ask God to forgive you and his forgiveness will come flowing and he will make you part of his family. You repent and believe in the Lord Jesus, but it will cost you. It will cost you this life, but you will gain everything everything in the next. And yet, your life here will be experienced more abundantly with the sacrifice you're making with this life than you could ever imagine. So it's not like you just, life now becomes horrible and mopey. No, God will transform you. But whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Christ has paid the debt so that you can be free to live for him. So this whole passage isn't isn't ultimately even about money, though it does, and, and that's what Jesus is speaking to, and that's practically how we need to apply this and seek his face. But again, Jesus is not saying, try harder. Jesus is saying, examine 
yourself. Jesus is saying, come before me and I will speak to you. He's wanting us to direct our gaze. And I know we we started with with a, a fun story. We should... We should end with the story, but this story comes from the gospel of Mark chapter 10 when Jesus encountered the rich young ruler. Starting in verse 17, it says, And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Now the passage does go on because the disciples are like, well, how could anyone be saved? And he says, with God, all things are possible. The Lord wants us to direct our gaze to his kingdom. So take this text home with you. Take the questions. Who, where, where, where is my treasure? Where am I making an investment? And who am I serving? Ask those questions. If you ask those questions of God, he's going to answer those questions for you. And and if you want to some more resources, there's a couple of resources I even want to recommend to you. And you're like, oh man, they're big and fat. I don't have time to read those. They're both written by a man by the name of Randy Alcorn. One's called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. Okay? I dare you to read it. Okay, you don't have to agree with everything Randy Alcorn says. I don't agree with everything, everything Randy Alcorn says. But, but it'll challenge you. You don't have to read his book. You can, I, I think you can sit in prayer with this text and God, God will speak to you. But the other one that he wrote is called Heaven. Because I think one of the greatest challenges that we face is that we, we don't talk about Heaven And so we don't think about how wonderful it is going to be there. And so then we don't put our investment there. So let's consider these things, but let's look to Christ. Let's look to Christ, brothers and sisters. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Father, we need you. There's 
There's so much we didn't cover. There's so much that I didn't say. But we, we need you, God, to lead us. We need you to direct our gaze. Even now, we, we're going to spend a few minutes even singing to direct our gaze towards the King of Kings. But I pray, God, for those who are here this morning. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Christ, you can simply pray this, Father, forgive me. I've been living my life for something that is not delivering. Forgive me of my sins, and he will forgive you of your sins. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we look to Christ, that the things of this world would grow strangely dim to us. We wouldn't want to invest in them because we see you and we see the kingdom that's coming. Direct our gaze towards that kingdom. We ask all this, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.